Amen. Welcome to Real Change. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. You have no idea. You seriously, you have no idea what it feels like to me to walk into this room and to see you here. I just, I just am so amazed. I'm so grateful to the Lord. I'm so amazed at how hungry all of you are. Um, and I'm so amazed that how faithful God is to, to meet with us every time we meet together. So thank you so, so much for being here. If you're a guest, um, we're glad that you're here and we hope that you feel really comfortable and that you don't feel nervous and, and that, um, you know that we won't, we'll try not to do anything to make you feel uncomfortable or single you out in any way. And if you came with somebody, if you could go to the welcome center with them, or if you just by yourself, there's a welcome, like a big red banner over there. The only thing we want is your email address to only send you invitations for other women's events. And we only have two a year. So that's the only purpose. We're not going to try to rope you into anything or anything like that. But if you're willing to give us your email address, then we can email you when we have these events two times a year. Um, and and we would love to have you here. Also, real quick, child care pick up at 10. Doors close, close at 11. So when the service gets out, you're welcome to stand here, hang out with Jesus, or you're welcome to go to the um, kids auditorium where we have food. And you're welcome to stay there and hang out until 11 o'clock if you want to with your friends. Um, a big part of why we set up these events, the structure, the way we do is to um, provide you the opportunity to have two things that I think women really need a lot of. And that is um, time away from their kids to either like be with God or to just be with their friends. And it's very hard. I know from firsthand experience, especially if you have multiple kids or if you are a single mom or don't have a form of free childcare, it's very hard to do that. And so I just encourage you to take advantage of that. That's why we do it. Don't feel guilty at all okay the child care workers are gonna they already know that the kids are gonna be tired and cranky and they're gonna try to get them to sleep and that's what they're doing so don't worry about it okay just take advantage of this night we have these two times a year we do this tonight and then in march so that's why we have it set up that way so you can sit and talk to your friends almost as long as you want we did have to set a cap on it because the first couple of years we didn't and then people were here like till like two in the morning and stuff and the maintenance staff wanted to go to bed you know what i'm saying anyway um I think that that's all. Just to go again, real quick, for those of you that maybe have never been to a real event. If you haven't been to a real event, would you raise your hand real quick? Okay, great. Welcome, you guys. Glad you're here. The, the purpose of our real events is basically, if I could sum it up, it is to tell the truth because the Bible says, um, if you know the truth, well, truth will set you free. And my theory is, is that women, um, are held captive by lies from lots of different things, people, the enemy, the church, I mean, just you name it, guys, ourselves, you know, and if we do learn the truth that it will set us free. And since we've started these real events, I think, I don't know how many years it's been. It's been at least five, maybe five to seven years. We have been doing that and it's been amazing. The fruit 
that has come, the true freedom that's come in women's lives by just knowing the truth of what God said. So our goal is to be authentic, real, honest. Those of you that know me, I do my very best to be as honest and real and to put myself out there as much as possible, not because it's hard for me to do that. It's actually very easy for me to do that, but um, but because it's very, very important um, for us to have biblical Christ-centered solutions and also for it to be very practical and to, um, like I already mentioned. So every time we have an event, we typically change. We're actually going to be rebranding. It's going to look a little bit different next year, but it's still going to be real. And we try to really focus in on real. Like, so tonight talking about real change to really process change in our lives. I'm not going to talk around it. I'm not going to use a bunch of like phrases that like aren't going to help you. You know what I'm saying? That sound really awesome and you can put them on a plaque on your wall, but you, it never helps. You know what I'm saying? So that's not the goal. The goal is for us, us to walk away with a better understanding of what kind of real change we need and how we can accomplish um, doing that. So I am going to try to address this from a spiritual angle, but, in, but like we always talk about in a practical everyday or in our ordinary life. But we all seek change in our life. I mean, if you tell me that you don't seek change in your life, I will call you straight up a liar. Okay. That is just not possible. I don't even know if it's possible for any human being to not desire change in some way, but, um, and we could list a bunch of stuff. I mean, you should be able to rattle off a good 20, 30 things off the top of your head that you would like to change about your life, about yourself and all that kind of stuff. And if you need any help, you can come to me and I will help you rattle off those things. Because they're pretty, pretty common, but let's just, I'm just gonna, I mean, I could have gone on all day. I mean, I had to force myself to stop typing. You know what I'm saying about like what could potentially need change in my life and your life, right? So let's, for example, we need to change our kids because they need to argue less. And if they're little, they need to sleep more and they need to sleep in their own bed and they need to whatever. Financial status, you know, you watch YouTube videos and these people come with these hauls and they're spending like thousands of dollars every month with some kind of haul, whether it's like a Sephora haul or a Von Mar haul or something like that. I don't know where they get. There's no way they're using FPU envelopes. There is no way they're using. I used to be so I used to be so jealous. Um. And there's times I still feel jealous, but so jealous of people that had money. When we were first married, we did use envelopes, not because there was such a thing as FPU, but that we had so little money. And I had $25 a week to spend at Walmart grocery shopping every single week. I went the same day on Friday, payday, went to the bank, got cash, $25 envelope of $25. And I took a calculator with me every single um, Friday to Walmart to add up my, my grocery total. And if I went over, if if I went $25.32, I took something out of my cart and put it back because it had to be under $25. And we lived like that for years. And I would look at other people grocery shopping and I would see um, them buying things that I perceived to be like real luxury items, you know, like strawberries or like the French fried onions that you put on top of a green bean casserole. You know, you don't have to have those onions on the top of the green bean casserole. You know what I'm saying? That's a luxury. And so, um, and I would look, at other people's carts and I would be um, envious of them being able to go to the grocery store and I perceived it like buy whatever they wanted. 
you know, and I, I wanted to change my financial situation. I wanted to stop living paycheck to paycheck. I did not want to have to go to the bank every Friday and withdraw six quarters for every load of laundry, which was two loads of laundry per week that we did along with the $25 for groceries. You know, I didn't want to live like that forever. I wanted to change my financial situation. And I'm sure many of you can relate to that. I want to change. I want to be a better mom. You know, I want to be nicer. I want to be like Sharon Atwell, you know, always encouraging, you know, I've never heard anything mean coming out of that woman's life ever. She's like, you did such a good job eating your peas. You did such a good job telling that story. I mean, she is like serious nice, you know. Um, I wish that I would watch educational documentaries on PBS about like World War II or something, you know, instead of Biggest Loser. I wish I could stop watching it. But, it's, you know, Walt watches documentaries on PBS. And every time I'm like, are you trying to make me feel like a bad person, you know? And, and so anyway, let's see, change in appearance. You, everybody, I mean, if you don't want to change your appearance, seriously, I don't know what planet you grew up on. Maybe you were like transported from another planet to the United States of America. But if you've spent any time in the United States of America, you want to change something about your appearance. I learned on YouTube, which I don't recommend, that there's different body shapes. And when I gain weight, I'm an apple. And so you can tell how heavy I am by what trimester you perceive me to be. You know, so, you know, like second trimester is like 20 pounds, you know, third trimester. You know what I'm saying? My best friend, she's got the, she gains weight um, just all over her body. So she can carry like 70 extra pounds and she still has an hourglass figure. It's completely unfair. But anyway, so we all want to change our appearance in some way, better style. We want to be prettier. We want to have cosmetic surgery. Did you know that cosmetic surgery uh, changes by locations in the United States? People in the South that tend to have warmer climates and maybe expose their bodies more tend to have more things like breast implants. People that live on the East Coast, like when it's colder, like um, like in New York and North and that, they tend to have more rhinoplasty. They get their nose changed, but but breast implants are much lower. It's very interesting how plastics how plastic surgery varies based on what is exposed. Your bot parts of your body that are exposed are valued in the United States. So even us where we live, we might have a different definition, my point is, of what beauty is here than other places. Maybe some people you have to be skinnier to be pretty. Some places you have to be heavier to be to be prettier, that type of thing. Did you know that you dress for one of three people yourself, other women, not in a same gender attraction kind of way, but other women and that you want to impress other women or men? Every single one of us in this room dresses for one of those three groups, either ourself. We want to feel good about ourselves, blah, blah, blah. A lot of times we say that, but we're really dressing either for other women or men. Um, but that is the, those are the basic things that will tend to drive what you value about your appearance, who you're dressing for. Um, I want to change my values. I want to stop caring about not having to spend $25 at Walmart. I want to stop caring about um, how big my nose is or the, that I have an apple body shape. You know, we can want to change. That can be something else we want to change. You know, I'm unhappy with myself, but I don't want to be. You see what I mean? I'm unhappy with my spouse, but I don't want to be. That sort of a thing. So we can have, be wanting to change our values. Of course, house, apartment, um, you might have want to change the fact that you dropped out of college because of a loser boyfriend or something like that. Or you might want to change that 
you made that choice of a lousy guy that you end up ended up marrying and then created this domino effect of like hardship in your life and and all sorts of things and you lost your virginity and you lost your innocence and you it made you estranged from your family sometimes a single decision can just create this domino effect of regrets that we have in our life i wish i could change that decision i wish i could change that decision i wish i could go back and redo that i wish i could change that change that decision what was i thinking i wish i could stop being unhappy I wish that I could stop being busy and stressed and tired. You know, I, whenever my sister calls me on the way to school and asks, how are you doing? I got so sick and tired of saying I'm stressed and tired and busy that I just said, I don't want to talk about that right now. Let's talk about you. You know, I just got sick of hearing myself say that. I don't want to be tired and stressed and busy. Do you? I would like that changed, right? And I don't want to, I want to stop rushing around all the time. You know, I don't want to rush to Walmart. Where's Carissa? Is she rushing somewhere? Carissa, you are totally called out. Okay, right there. Carissa's the only person I know that doesn't rush. See, she's not rushing to get back in the service after she led worship. <laughs> the only thing she rushes about is texting. Everything else is slow motion for Carissa. She talks slow. She moves slow. She drives slow. Man, I wish I could be like that. Anyway, she's so busted because she wasn't even in the service. Okay, so... All right. So then, you know, then we have, I want to change that. I have an addictive, uh, I, that I am addicted to some substance. I, I want to change. I'm on so much medication. I don't want to drink alcohol. I don't want to be abused alcohol and that sort of thing. Then we have our personality things. I want to change that. I have a temper. I want to change my uh, personality. I want to be nicer. I want to be less opinionated. I always say that like Victoria, who is also out there. I want to be nicer like Victoria and less opinionated and just say, how can I help you? You know, I have never gotten hired for a customer service position. <laughs> I would like, I would like a cleaner house. I like to be less lazy about cleaning my house. Instead of watching Biggest Loser while eating Cheetos, I would like, I would like to be cleaning my kitchen. Okay. I would like to, I would, um, I will, this is not me, but like maybe you're indecisive or bossy. This is certainly not me, bossy and annoying to be around, but maybe that's you, you know? Maybe you want to change that you're critical. You tend to be critical of your kids, critical of your spouse, critical of yourself, critical of your boss. You just like are critical all the time and you can even identify in yourself and you wish you could change that about yourself. Am I like hitting any nerves in the house? Okay. So, um, Anyway, um, then there's spiritual. I want to think about God more. I want to sin less. I want to be more spiritual. I want to, I want to have more, better spiritual disciplines. I want to pray like Pastor Chris every single day, you know, for a really, really long time. And then when you come out, it's like you have something to say because God spoke to you back. And that's like, you know, and other people that are really good at reading their Bible every day. I want God to be more important to me. I want to understand God better. I want to have a godly lens in my life where I tend to see things through a godly lens, you know, instead of myself and the world and my background and all this kind of stuff. But the thing is, is it's extremely hard, as every one of you knows, to have long-term true change in our lives. Weight is the perfect example. I have a friend that has lost a hundred pounds two times and gained it back. 
And I always said to myself, I said, I would rather have never lost that hundred pounds than to lose a hundred pounds, gain it back, lose a hundred pounds, gain it back. How that messes with your head to have that happen. That's terrible. Weight is, it's difficult to lose and it's even harder to keep off. And it is a change that many, many women seek. And speaking of biggest loser, you know, there's a study because a lot of the biggest losers um, have regained almost all, if not more than their weight. And that was with professional trainers and, you know, the hardcore experience they have on the show and everything. And they did a study and they found, they were like, why is this? Because these people are really trying to exercise a lot and all that kind of stuff. And they found that these hormones in their body in that intense exercise time dropped down. And after the biggest loser, it never came back up. So for a man, for example, to maintain his weight... After he's lost like a couple hundred pounds or something, he has to eat 700 calories fewer per day than anyone else's size to maintain his weight. So here you have this guy or any of the girls too, it's all of them that have gone through all of this work, all of this energy. It's just, you know, it's amazing the transformation in their bodies and their appearance and and their lives and everything like that. And then to gain that weight all back. And then to know that science is actually working against you. Because you have, you know how much fewer 700 calories a day is? That's a lot less. Just to maintain. Not even talking about losing the weight again to get down to their biggest loser weight. Guy, get, gastric bypass, um, uh, patients will get, oftentimes gain their weight back. I don't know if you've noticed that. Even with the gastric bypass and you say it's, and it's just incredibly difficult for anybody that has been obese to lose the weight and keep it off. And there's all these factors and it's not just that they eat too many Cheetos. There's all these chemicals in their body. But weight is such a perfect example, I think, of, um, and if any of you, maybe most of the people in this room, maybe not all, hopefully not all, and hopefully not if you're young, have at some point in your life tried to lose weight, maybe after a baby, or maybe you just have struggled with your weight your whole life, or everybody in your family was obese or whatever. You understand what I'm talking about. And so even if you lose a hundred pounds, there's that fear of how long can I hang on and eat few enough calories and exercise enough to try to keep that hundred pounds off? You know what I'm saying? And the pressure of having lost the weight can sometimes be as equal to the pressure of having been overweight in the first place. Because then you have the social pressure of they saw me thin and now they saw me fat. And I think you guys understand what I'm talking about. But this this maintenance of the change requires this uphill determination that is exhausting. And, and so it can become, um, in my opinion, we can start to become disillusioned with the process of ever having real change in our life. Think about in your life, what is something, if anything, can you think of something that you wanted to change and you did and you maintained that change for at least five to 10 years? Don't, don't answer. Maybe somebody changed their study habits. Maybe somebody did lose the weight and keep it off. Maybe somebody did, you know, stand up and become stronger and kick out a boyfriend and, or some, maybe somebody has overcome alcoholism and you're one of the statistics of people that did AA was successful for and you are still sober. And I'm very happy to hear that. 
But when we have experienced in our lives multiple experiences of trying to change and failing, that doesn't just begin to impact real change for our natural life if we can lose weight. It also impacts our view of God and God's ability to change us. Think about this. If you, if you have an encounter with God and you say, God, I'm committed to whatever, you know, and I'm going to pray every day or I'm going to read through the one year Bible. And then if you do not keep up with that commitment and you don't have a real lifestyle change, then what happens? And it's like, man, can God really help me read the Bible every day? Does God really want me? Am I really cut out for it? Am I really a good enough Christian? Maybe it wasn't meant for me. And anytime we have a, a failure, if you will, of a, of having a successful change, it can mess with our heads and it's not just weight it's also god think about your own life and how many times you've made promises to god about making a change and you have failed at that promise not because you don't have a desire to have a change because you really want to change right but somehow it doesn't end up happening here's an example um the 21 day fast, you know, we had this 21 day fast. If you don't go to our church, we had a 21 day fast. It was Walt's idea. I apologize. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, um, so I, uh, I decided <coughs> I was going to do kind of like a modified Daniel fast, sort of, you know, with the emphasis on sort of, and <laughs> So anyway, I was going to do a Daniel fast and I was smoking through doing awesome, right? For like the first 12 or 13 days. And in fact, I was getting, this is what happens to you too. I know I'm just going to say it because I know what happens to you. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to eat this way all the time. It's like, I feel so good. This is like no problem. I don't need sugar. I don't need bread. You know, that sort of thing. Cause I was feeling really confident, you know, about my ability to change what I was eating for this fast. And then what happened was I had a really bad bad day at school. Actually, I've had several really bad days at school, but we're just going to talk about this one in particular. So anyway, I had this bad day at school and I'm driving home from UNO and I'm not lying. All I could think about was I want a piece of chocolate cake. I want a piece of chocolate cake. I want a piece of chocolate cake. Where can I get one? Is Wheatfields open? Is Eileen's cookies? Where, you know, where would have a good piece of their chocolate cake isn't good enough. I was like raiding the chocolate cakes available in the city of Omaha on a Friday night. And, and so I was like, I'm going to just have to go through and get ingredients and get some buttermilk and make a homemade chocolate cake and stuff. Well, I got tired out, but this obsession with sugar did not stop. And when I, that night when I was trying to go to bed, I literally could not sleep for three hours. And all I could think about was Eileen's cookies, Eileen's cookies. I think monster cookies are my favorite. And then my frosted sugar cookies are my second favorite. And I was like, you know, I wonder what time they open. And, and it was like midnight. And I'm kidding you not. If Eileen's cookie was open at midnight on that night, I would have driven to Eileen's cookies and gotten myself a monster cookie. So anyway, but then with the next day, now I'm still on the Daniel fast and I haven't done any, I haven't broken it theoretically. You know, Jesus would probably say, you broke it in your heart because you lusted after the Eileen's cookies. <laughs> but anyway, 
let's just not go there for now. So then the next day I was like, um, I decided, I was like, I went to work, did my own thing. This must have been on a Thursday, Friday. I decided, I'm like, I'm going to break the fast. I've done it. This is 14 or 12 days. This is good enough for Jesus. I, I have a very stressful, I have a very stressful day. I need some sugar. I've got to have it. And so that night I went home and I made a batch of chocolate chip cookies and I ate half of the batter. And Sam was like, I thought you get two dozen cookies out of a batch of chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, not these ones. For some reason, only one dozen came out, you know. And, and then the next night I ate, I ate, or I made chocolate chocolate chip cookies. And then the next day I made lemon pound cake. I ate almost all of the lemon pound cake. I made another lemon pound cake the next day because Walt was like, um, I thought you were going to freeze that lemon pound cake. I can't find it in the freezer. I took care of that by making another lemon pound cake and putting it in the freezer. Then I made, I'm, this is no lie, I made another set of chocolate chip cookies the next day. So all those days in a row. So I had this desire for change. But what happens? There's a certain amount of time where your willpower can hold you back. Right? A certain amount of strength that you can have inside of you. I cannot eat a chocolate chip cookie or whatever for 12 days. And the 12th day was my capacity of how long my natural flesh and self-discipline could control myself from eating sugar. I'm not even joking. And that's exactly what happened. And, and so it, this is the thing about change. So we can feel like inspired and, you know, whole 30 and talk, you know, Daniel fast and everything. And, but maintaining that change in the natural and the spiritual is a whole nother ball game. Whole nother ball cream. Is real change even possible? I went to this one more example, okay? And then we'll, I promise I'll move on. Um, I went to this lady's house. I think I've told you about it before about cleaning. I went there and her carpet was like white and super duper clean. And I was asking her all these questions about her carpet. Like, how old is that carpet? And how much do you clean that carpet? And I was like so fascinated how she could have her carpet that white, you know? And, and so she said, and she did home daycare. And she had a dog. I was like, what in the world? And I was like, how much do you vacuum this carpet? She said, I vacuum it every single day. I was like, I was like, you mean even if it's late at night after you've been out, you know, and you're all your daycare kids, she goes, it doesn't matter if it's 11 or 12 o'clock at night. I vacuum the carpet every single night. So I was like, okay. I said, well, I can do that. Vacuuming takes like 10 minutes, right? That's no problem. I was inspired. I went home. I vacuumed when we got home that night from their house. You know, it's like, I got this, you know, I'm vacuuming. I did not, kid you not, vacuum the carpet the second day. I was already talking myself out of it. Like, oh, it's not dirty. Why would I even bother? I don't want to wear out the fibers, you know? And... All this kind of stuff. So um, anyway, does our inability to have real change in the practical areas of our life impact our underlying belief about whether or not God can have real transformation in us? And is does that spiritual and whether or not spiritual transformation can impact our, our outside stuff? In other words, if God really changes me, if God really changes my values, is that strong enough? Is that powerful enough to change the outside stuff? 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So can this change really happen? And if that change really happens, can this happen? Because we already know from our own life experience how successful we are um, in our own life of, of um, sorry, I'm, I always have to do this if you're new, just everybody else just gets really used to it. Okay. Um, you know, Let's see. Zach, are you here? Sorry, guys. The power is not on in this clicker, and I need it. Zach, are you here? Thank you, Zach. Sorry. Sorry about this. Okay, so anyway, because of that, uh, we have these two tensions going on. And maybe, thank you, maybe if you have been successful at some type of change in your life at some point, maybe you have a little tiny bit of courage that someone else might not have. But even so, even if you have success at change in one small area, there's still so many areas in our life that we desire change that we aren't always um, doing it. So anyway, this is... Let's go to, sorry, this is, we want to go to Luke 645. So the Bible teaches something about where change comes from. If you can move back to Luke 645. Thank you. It says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from where it is at in your what? Now, there's multiple points in this verse where the heart is mentioned and it says that good things come from the treasury of a good heart. The evil things come from an evil heart. And you say, uh, and what you say flows from what is in your heart. The heart is talked about a lot in the Bible. The heart and the mind are two big things, but the heart is talked about a bunch. And there, if you've been in the church very long, you know, the verse out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and a lot of references to things coming out of us from the heart. Now, now here's another verse. Let's see if if you openly declare, here's the salvation part of your heart. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe where in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So even the very salvation experience, that means if you don't know Jesus and what you want Jesus to be the boss of your life, all you have to do is openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe where in your heart. Does it say that you have to change a lot of stuff? Does it say you have to be talented, rich, pretty, the right weight, highly educated, anything like that? No, it says for Jesus to change your heart, you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, would you go to the next? Would you go to the um, picture of the body? Oh, yeah, go to the picture of the body. If you would, thank you. Okay, so here you are, right? So here you are as a person, as a woman. And what happens is, is this represents what I was talking about before. The um, outside effort and energy it takes to try to change different things about us. You'll notice that the heart is just empty there, right? And so we can try to change. I want to be less anxious. I want to be less depressed. I want to have better spiritual disciplines. I want to be nicer. I want to be thinner. I want to uh, do what God wants me to do. I want to not judge other women and be fake and, you know, not be myself. I want to be real or whatever. And so these are these outside things of us trying to change ourselves, to change the inside of us. And this is the 
effort I'm talking about, like with the fasting. You know, what I want to have is the spiritual discipline. And so I take the effort. I'm not going to eat the chocolate cake. I'm not going to eat the chocolate cake. But there is nothing but emptiness in there fueling and punching to give me any power or authority or strength of any kind to actually have that change last in my life. So it's basically as long as I can hang on in that empty circle on the inside of me, then that's about how long I will have any particular change in my life. Now, oops. Okay, let's see if I can do this. Now, if we get saved, like what we were talking about in there, I'm sorry about that. If you get saved, it says if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So if Jesus, this is what we mean, or this is an illustration of what we mean when we say Jesus comes into your heart. It's this spiritual transaction where you say, God, my heart is empty. My heart is full of sin. I don't understand it. There's no connection really right there with the mind at all. You don't have to understand how it happens, right? All you have to do is believe in your heart and the Bible teaches that you will be saved and he will change your heart. So from a spiritual perspective, this is what happens. No matter how you feel, no matter how good you've been with your spiritual disciplines, no matter what you look like, no matter what kind of past you have and from a spiritual perspective, but past you have in a natural perspective, all that matters is if you believe, all you have to do is believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And that is what happens in your body and in your, in your spiritual person. But I want to think about this in terms of change. So who, who accomplishes that change? It's kind of a trick question. God does it, but what do we have to do? We have to believe that he can do it. We have to believe that he can do it. We say, I believe that you are able to forgive my sins. And forgive me for being so simple here, but this is super important and without talking about it we can't talk about real change because the fact of the matter is is what we try to do what we try to do is we try to accomplish all change in our life natural and spiritual like this and that's why even if we have a great altar experience and it's a real genuine experience and you feel God, if you are attempting to experience, to um, produce change in your life this way, it is never going to work. But Jesus said, this is who we are apart from Christ, but with Christ, he transforms our heart, a new heart that we don't understand anything about really. We don't understand how it works. We don't, it's not a, this tangible thing or whatever. But what happens over time is this. Over time, this heart begins to ooze things out. Like a heart pumping blood in a body. Like a heart pumping blood in the body. And this is how it happens. Go real quick if you would, if you could switch me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16. Thank you. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. 
Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Go back to that picture that we just went of the body. God says, on the outside, all outside of here, all of that, everything could be going to you know where. Your marriage... Your anxiety, your weight, your house, your finances, your, you know, your spiritual disciplines, whatever. But it says, meanwhile, while all of that is going to pot, God begins to have an unfolding grace inside of you. Now go back to the next verse. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Watch this. So here's what I want you to do. We'll go back to the picture, but I want you to just to look at this verse real quick. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. Pause right there. Think about all the examples that I just gave at the beginning of this message about, about things we want to change, right? All the things we want to change everyday, ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, all of those things. All of those things we want to change. And what does he say to do? Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Next. So don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And what does it say? You will be changed. How will you be changed? From the inside out. You'll begin to readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, other things to change, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops warm, well-formed maturity in you. Now hold that verse right there. Look at that last line. If we were to think about your, if you were to think about your life and the changes you want to make and the changes you'd like to make and all that kind of stuff, your ideal dream you of what you would be like, Look at what the verse says right there. It says, God brings the best out of you, his definition of the best for you, and he develops what? Well-formed maturity in you. Now, who does that? Who does that changing? God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Going back to the top of the verse, instead, fix your attention on who? You will be what? What? changed how from the inside out then you can recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity youtube reality television whatever facebook whatever always dragging you down to its level of immaturity god brings the best out of you very, very interesting. Now, it's very interesting in these verses, not just what is said, but what isn't said. Because what isn't said shows us what God cares about as much as what he does say. 
And he's continually saying, God is going to do this. Can you move to the, it's back to the um, picture of the, he's continuing saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to develop this in you. I'm going to create this wealth for maturity in you. Over time, as we fix our attention on developing what God desires in us, then all of these things begin to change. Then when we are trying to develop spiritual disciplines in our life, which are a valid thing to want to change in our lives, right? Do we want like to be an infant Christian? that cries every time you know you stub your toe for the rest of your life no we don't want that we do want to develop spiritual disciplines in our life but what is the source of those spiritual disciplines what is it coming out of is it coming out of your own sheer determination and willpower or is it coming out of something that god is forming in you a lot of times Teachers, biblical teachers will emphasize one or the other. They'll either say it's all God and it's supernatural and wave a wand and that's the end. Or they'll say you need to renew your mind and you need to completely change everything about yourself to conform with God. And the Bible, what the Bible teaches is really both of those things. But the problem is, is that we tend to want to make our changes based on what the world, the culture, like what God talked about in those verses. Instead, we can change in your personality. I want to be more patient. I want to be less annoying. I want to be more, you know, pleasant to be around. I want to be less selfish, all those kinds of stuff. Do you see how with this, as you're growing in Christ and as God is transforming you, how then those things begin to be an overflow and rooted and sourced in something different. Do you guys, are you tracking with me? Anxiety, depression, thoughts, you know, in your mind, how, how, uh, how successful do you think you can be at controlling your anxious thoughts through willpower and determination? Would anybody like to guess? Not very successful. There has to be something more, something that is rooted first in our lives that, that, that we can cling to to produce that peace in our lives and in our minds that we need. Values. If you want to value what God values, do you think you can value what God values just by saying, I'm going to value what God values? Can you do that? Even if you have the best, most pure motives and desire to value what God values, if you are trying to do that in yourself, you're never going to have long-term change. It has to come out of something that God is already doing in you. And, and this is an illustration thinking about veins, but really it's what's so tricky about this is it's such an abstract idea that God can come in, change our heart, transform us he can continue to pour his grace in us you know and that can change us over time isn't that hard to wrap your head around especially if you've been disillusioned by trying to change and failing for your entire life if you're 60 years old then you have 60 years of practice at trying and failing to change things about your life so what does that do when we come to God? It creates doubt, and, and understandably so. But Jesus said, if you believe in your heart that I am Lord and that I have raised you from the dead, you will be given a new heart. And then smattered throughout all of Scripture, it says, out of the heart, everything else happens. Out of the heart, everything else happens. Let's do a couple more. Appearance, wait. What if we knew what God wanted about your weight? 
Does God want you to lose weight? Or does he not care? Maybe he couldn't care less what your weight is. Maybe he would much rather you work on being nice to your kids. And maybe he would much rather have that be the circle that gets the first attention in your life. You know, if you're morbidly obese and you die 10 years early because of complications from your weight, then you're with Jesus in heaven if you have a new heart transformed 10 years earlier. And I'm not saying that that's a good scenario. But I'm saying maybe all of your self-discipline and all of your focus and all of your prayer is focused on losing weight when it needs to be on something completely different. Something completely different. Like trying to read the Bible one chapter a day, you know, for the next year. Maybe that's a lot more important. And I, when, if you notice, when I started the other ones, I put all of those things up at the same time. You know, all of them, all those things that we're trying to change at the same time when it was just black and white. And now with this, notice I'm adding one thing at a time. Because I don't think... There are, God expects everything for you to be changed and perfect. You need to start getting a 4.0. You need to start keeping your room cleaner. You need to start getting your oil changed on a regular basis. You need to, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if we're going to value what God values, we have to understand that his priority in terms of the order of these changes might be different than our priority. What if none of the changes that we think are the most important, like, and I'm not saying it's not good to eat healthy. I, we eat healthy at our house. But what if, theoretically, eating healthy was not the most important thing? I know that the whole world cares about it in the United States and, you know, arteries and so forth. I get that. But I'm just, I am trying to poke a bear here a little bit and challenge us and say, are the things that we're even desiring our priorities for change in our life, are they even in line with maybe what God values? I know that God values you having a good self-esteem because he doesn't want you to feel like a loser and, you know, sleep with a bunch of men that are losers. And I get that. You know, and I want you to have a good self-esteem too. And I understand that weight and makeup and clothes and all that kind of stuff can really impact. And maybe that is the priority for you in your life. Maybe if you've been a loser your whole life and beaten up your whole life and just been with losers that have told you amount to nothing your whole life, maybe that will be number one for you. But I think a lot, a lot of women prioritize change in areas that are not the tip-top priority of what God's priorities for change for your life are. Romans says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is God's change that he desires for you? What could it be? And you know what? If it's God's change that he desires for you, I believe he will make, he will empower and strengthen to and help you to make that a change that can be sustained and can last over the lifespan. I think when you see people that have gotten radically saved, Walt's an example of this. Walt's an example of this. He, when he got saved, he grew up in a home that was rough and swore and everything. He, he cussed a lot. When he got saved, he stopped cussing. I know that's really hard to picture. I, you know that, like the super gentle kind of guy? He was not like that before he got saved. 
He tried to throw a rock onto his brother's head and kill him when he was in high school. I hope this isn't being recorded. So obviously God can change people. God can change people. When Pastor Raphael got saved, I think he immediately stopped drinking. Like instantaneously, God delivered him from drinking. And for the longest time, he had the hardest time understanding why other people didn't instantaneously get delivered from drinking like he had been, because that's, God did that in his life. But the point is, the point is, is that we have to take an honest inventory of ourselves and say, is this priority the most important priority. And for me, in fact, with the whole cake, and I know that was, I think God would have been pleased if I didn't eat all of the cookie dough. You know, I think that would have probably made him happy. But eating the cookie dough is not going to send me to hell. Okay, eating what was most important for me and God at that time was probably not the cookie dough. God had other things he needed to do in me that were related to the stress of why I was wanting to eat the cookie dough. But I'm not going to talk about that right now. (laughs) Because I've already told you about attempted murder. And I mean, it's like, I'm going to, they're arresting me when I walk out this door. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so... So anyways, are you picking up what I'm laying down about this though? And so, and so anyway, so back to this, when we began one at a time, one at a time, all these things, God's, what's the most important value? God, I surrender myself to you. I surrender what's inside of here to you. And I ask that you just, your grace would continue like that verse, that verse, uh, what is it? The, is it Peter? Can you throw that up again? It's the, the first one before Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Rachel's got a very hard job, I'm just saying. Uh, a good, per- nope, sorry, three verses down from that. It's Second Corinthians. So we're not giving up. How could we, even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside, where God is making new life, Where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. So when it says on the outside, things often look like they're falling apart, that could be you're gaining weight. That could be you're still poor. That could be that um, your uh, spouse is still a loser. You know, I don't know. What the thing is, is it says even when those things are falling apart, is that surprising God? No, and what is he carrying on about focused on his attention during that time? He says, God is making new life in you, and not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. That's amazing. So um, what is happening on the inside of us? If you can go back to the person, thank you. What is happening on the inside of us is the most important thing. What's happening in the green is the most important thing in our life. It's not these other things. Although they're, they're like fruit of it happening. And then what happens over time as we continue in obedience and we're continually transformed and his grace keeps, keeps coming and the, and the culture around us isn't bothering us as, as much as it used to. You know, now uh, the longer I've been a Christian, like I used to, I used to care more about, um, about certain things about the world that are no longer, um, no longer, um, a distraction to me. Um, like, 
uh, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of an example, and I can't pull one off the top of my head right now, but um, my values have fundamentally changed, where those values no longer create uh, work and discipline to maintain them, because they're just an offshoot of what's going on on the inside. And then this is what begins to happen, and this is the other thing that the Bible teaches about. This connection then, this strong connection that then begins to take place between what you're thinking and what your heart is saying. And the heart is what God is beating through you. God is beating through you. And then as that's happening, your mind then begins to be transformed by what you're thinking. Wow, I think this is what God is thinking. I think this is what God wants me to do. I think this is what God cares about. I think this is, I do think I need to go to... Turkestan or I I do think I don't need to go to Turkestan. You know what I'm saying? Same difference. So over time then that becomes, but you don't even need that point yet. You don't even need that point. These verses don't say anything about that yet. All it says is to let your heart be changed and then God begins to pump this stuff out in you like nobody's business and it begins to change. Now, so sometimes the things that we, um, the most important things that we need to do or need to change are the things that will create the least amount of work for us. Let me say that again. Sometimes the most important things that we need to change in our life are the things that will require the least amount of work from us. Think about how much time and energy we could take to lose weight. I'm just using that one because it's such a good example, and I'm assuming that most people have tried to lose weight at some point. Think about how much time and energy we can take trying to lose weight. And I'm not saying losing weight is a bad thing, but how much time and energy versus what might God be saying he wants to do for you today. This day, what he would like you to do is read one chapter in the Bible and write it down in your journal. Which is easier, reading one chapter in your Bible or trying to eat, write, and exercise the entire day? And also, sometimes, and here is the kicker, sometimes what we need to change is very different than what we think we need to change. Do you guys have your cards? I want you to pull out your cards, and then one of them, I want you to begin to write, walking into this room tonight, everything that you can think of that you thought you needed to change. Just just make a list. And you're not going to have to share it or tell your neighbor or anything like that. I want you just to real quick, just as many things as you can think of. Things about your appearance. Think about your relationship with God. Think about your family life. List of the things that you want to, to change. What real change did you want in your life when you walked into this room tonight? Just begin, just begin writing down. You should be able to just... Your list should not be less than 20 things probably. Just write those down. Go ahead, Aaron.
Just shoot through all those things. And maybe it wasn't when you walked in this room, but maybe like within the last month or so. Or, or things that have consistently come up in your life that you've desired to change. Like you might not have a boyfriend this second, but, you know, it's been a pattern in your life of something you wanted to change. Just drop it out as quick as you can. After you've, after you've gotten, how many of you could use another minute? Okay. After you've done that, you guys keep going. After you've done that, I want you to star the things that have been the biggest patterns in your life of things you wanted to change. Strong threads throughout your life. to think what theoretically um, what about the idea that what if nothing changed on the outside nothing changed on the outside and only stuff on the inside changed flip your card over and begin to write those things if you were just to eliminate all the outside things and just think about the inside things I, I want to be less anxious. I want to care more about what God thinks. I want to be nicer. I want to be less selfish. What changes on the inside? And do the same thing. Circle or star those things on that list that you feel have been common threads through your life. Character issues or addictive addiction issues or insecurity or whatever. Star those things that you feel like have been patterns throughout your life. 